Ben Hur's here today after today's priest named Zacharias, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right-hand side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Um, so we are the part of, well, most of the Bolton Hill small group, Bolton Hill and surrounding areas. And we are lighting the Advent candle uh, this morning. And one of the, the prompt that we were given was, um, how has God answered a prayer recently? And I wanted to share that um, this is a prayer that God answers every week as we meet, one of the joys and uh, blessings that we get to do every week as a small group is to share our prayer requests. And sometimes that's an opportunity to open our hearts to one another and to speak to our joys, our fears, our hopes. And sometimes it can be painful because, you know, sometimes we're sharing the same thing we've been sharing, you know, for the last few weeks, for the last few months, for some of us for the last few years as we've been meeting together. And so um, every week we know that we have a community to open our hearts to, and we also know that we have a God who hears us as we share every week. Dearly Father, I thank you so much for this small group, for the community that has grown and deepened over the years, and for the ways that new people are welcomed in each week as well. Lord, I thank you that you hear our prayers, that there is nowhere we can go that would be too far from you. I pray that you would touch each person here at that small group, that they would know that they are not alone and that you hear them. And I pray for us as we enter into Advent, Lord, that you would be in our midst, that your Holy Spirit would fill this museum, fill each person's home, and that we would be renewed and become more and more into your image. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated.
Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving and are ready. Happy Advent. This is our first Sunday of Advent. I can't believe how quickly this year has flown by. So this is our first week of Advent. If you didn't pick up on that from all of the trees and poinsettias, we are headed into the Christmas season. And for those of you who might not be as familiar with Advent in the season, I just wanted to give a brief background of what it is. Advent is a season of preparation and expectation, both for the celebration of celebrating Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago, but also for marking at the time of preparation and expectation for Jesus' coming again. The time for us to prepare and reflect how we are called to live in this time of expectation of Jesus' second coming. When we talk about the Advent, Advent being a season of preparation for Christmas, it can be so easily equated to the preparations of shopping and baking and parties and lights and all the wonderful things that are about to consume our coming weeks. And these are wonderful things, and this idea of preparing for a celebration is part of Advent. There's an excitement that should come as we think about celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior. However, I also want to acknowledge that some of you here might not be feeling very celebratory. The season might be hard for you, and the thought of all of those holiday festivities leaves you feeling exhausted. Many of you are, feeling, are here dealing with loss, maybe difficult relationships, things that aren't looking the way that you thought they might look for you. And I want you to know, I see you, and I am praying for you, and you are not alone. And in that feeling, you may wonder, what does Advent have for me? But I want to say that Advent is also exactly for how you are feeling right now. Observation of Advent is exactly for those of you who are struggling, who are longing for the way that God intended things to be, longing for something different, who are feeling weary and heartbroken. Advent is the season that you need. Part of the lyrics of one of my favorite Christmas songs says, a weary world rejoices. And that so captures Advent. There is weariness. And you might be feeling resonating more with that weariness phrase. Or maybe you're feeling more with the rejoicing phrase. And both of them is how we enter into this Advent season. This year, our uh, series for Advent is to look at the different messages that the people of the first Christmas story received. And as we look at these messages and the messengers that bring them, we want to see how these messages from 2,000 years ago still apply to us, who may be feeling a little weary, but also may be rejoicing at the same time. Bob often talks about the ability for us to be able to hold two competing truths at the same time. And my challenge for us this Advent season is for us to do exactly that, to hold the truth and acknowledgement that we are yearning and waiting for something, something that perhaps is not quite as God intended, something that we deeply desire, something that we want to be seen made right and whole, and 
to also hold that God hears us, he loves us, he has heard our yearnings and our longings and our desire to see his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. This concept of holding both, that yearning and also that worshiping and rejoicing is exactly what we see in the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. We see here, as we go crying out to God, saying, hear me, God. I want us to hear God saying back, hear me, I hear you. As Trudy and Red, we're looking at the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. To give you a little background, we talk about power couples um, now. And I would say, Zachariah and Elizabeth are the Jewish equivalent of a power couple back there in 2,000 years ago. They are both from very prestigious lines of priests. Zachariah is a Jewish priest and has served in one, served as that his whole life. At this time, the Jewish people are in a bit of a desert, and they have not heard a message from God in over 400 years when Malachi prophesied that Elijah was coming. The king was King Herod, who was power, and he was not a godly ruler, to say the least. Godlessness abounded, but yet Zechariah and Elizabeth remained faithful. They continued to pray for a child despite decades of barrenness and being past the years of childbearing. They continued to worship and serve and observe the Jewish law and live a life according to that law and statutes. 400 years of silence. I would argue that I would say silence is sometimes harder to deal with than a no or an answer that I don't want to receive. The lack of information can lead you to kind of fill in the blanks. So a couple of weeks ago, I was flying back from a work trip down in Atlanta, and at the end of the day, and I was tired. Just wanted to get home. And the, my app said my flight was on time. The sign above the gate said my plane was on time. I see the plane outside my gate. I'm thinking, going home. And then I'm looking at my watch, and I've flown enough to know what time they should start making the announcements about pre-boarding and silence. I keep checking my watch silence, but everything's saying on time, and I start filling in the gaps. Oh, it's going to be hours. I'm going to be stuck here. I'm so tired, and started throwing a little bit of a mental temper tantrum. Eventually, they came on, and they said, the f we've got the plane. The flight crew is coming in from Miami. That flight's delayed. They'll be here in 15 minutes. As soon as they deplane, you guys are good to go. And so it turned out that it was only about a delay of about 45 minutes. And in the silence, while I heard silence and I heard inactivity, there was all sorts of activity going on. They were trying to figure out where the crew was. They were trying to get its staff so that we could take off and get to, get to Baltimore. Silence did not mean inactivity. When we pray, it can feel as though we are met in silence. It can feel like God isn't listening or isn't acting. And I'm sure for Zachariah and Elizabeth, it felt like their prayers for a child were met in silence and wondering if God was listening or even cared. It was decades of prayers for this child. Zachariah had drawn the lot and to enter the temple and burnt incense, and it was a privilege, and only he was allowed to, to be in there at that time. And when he was in the temple, an angel appeared. And as you heard, it says, do not be afraid, Zachariah. 
your prayer has been heard. And I have no doubt that that statement, Zachariah knew exactly what prayer had been heard. Because it was likely the forefront of his prayers every day for decades. And I'm sure that some of you have prayers like that. How many of us have been praying for something for months, for years, for maybe decades? You may feel like a broken record of time, wondering what God, what God are you doing? And notice that the first message there is your prayers have been heard. To be heard. How many of us have been in conversations where we felt like we were not being heard? And what does that mean to be truly heard? I found this quote that I, I really liked. It says, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, it's hard to tell the difference. Being heard connects us. And I know I have had relationships that have both deepened and fractured because of either being heard or a lack of being heard. Being heard means that someone truly understands what you are communicating. And it's more than just being able to repeat back the words. I was had dinner with an old friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, and we were catching, him, uh, catching up on our lives, and I kind of just did a rote um, kind of like playback of my last three months, of everything that happened in my last three months. Just very factually, and he kind of looked at me, and he st after I stopped, he looked at me, and he's like, that's a lot how are you doing? And in that moment, I felt heard. I'm pretty sure he couldn't have listed back all of the things that I had just rattled off to him very quickly, but I felt heard because he understood what those events, events meant, what that toll might have been, and what that I might be feeling a little bit broken, a little bit weary. It's been said that we only what we communicate verbally is only 7% and that 93% is through nonverbal communication. God doesn't just hear our verbal words. He hears our nonverbal as words. He hears our emotions. He hears our tears. He hears us yelling. He hears us crying. He, hears, he sees our posture. He sees us when we're shaking our fists, when we're laying prostrate on the ground, when we're on our knees. He sees and hears it all. As we cry out, hear me, God, he is saying, hear me, I hear you. God hears us, and he loves us more than we can ever imagine. What we can often confuse, though, is that because we may say that God hears us and he loves us, then obviously he should be doing the things that we want when we want them. And yet God doesn't work like that. Zachariah and Elizabeth's prayers were heard for years, for decades as they cried out. And I'm sure if they were going to answer that, they would have probably bared a child during normal childbearing times, not in their 80s. As we look at this knowledge of say, that our prayers are heard and we look at Zachariah's encounter with this message, I want to look at two things of how we can stand in knowing that our prayers are heard. So in those times of knowing that we are heard, we can wait faithfully. Knowing that God hears us should give us confidence to wait because we know who God is, we know his character, 
and we can wait faithfully. Luke 1, 6 says, both Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Despite the decades of unanswered prayers, they served and worshiped faithfully. It was a time that godlessness and lawlessness and unrighteous living was abounding around them. It would have been easy for them to slip into that, and yet they remained faithful. We often focus on the fact that Zechariah received this, um, this message in the Holy of Holies in the temple, but I want to look at it in a different way, that he was, received the, just doing the job set before him, the job he was just called to do that day. He drew lots, and that was the job he picked. What job or tasks are right in front of you that God has uniquely placed you to do in this time? Where have you maybe resisted going because you're a little mad that God hasn't maybe answered your prayers or you're not quite feeling it, but you know that God's pulling you in a certain way? Where are you supposed to be serving faithfully? Here at Grace City, we have different service arenas, and some of you who've been around maybe have heard this, some of you may not. But what we do when we look at where we as a church are called to serve, we look at big generational problems and look and say we're going to be there for the long haul. One of our big ones is our work down in Sharp Leadenhall with Sharp Kids that just started to try and start addressing some of the educational disparities in a neighborhood just adjacent to ours. It's an after-school program that's grown to tutoring, mentoring, a summer camp, and expanded to care for the adults. And it's one of those generational crazy big things that we as a church have decided to prayerfully enter in and serve faithfully. And yes, there is joy and answer to prayer and wonderful testimonies that have come out of our time. But there is also hardness and brokenness. The violence, drugs, sometimes feeling, wondering what difference are we making down there. We can say, God, do you hear our prayers? And yet, Lil Gurney and our volunteers show up every week, meeting with maybe just one kid, serving faithfully as they wait. God, do you hear us as we cry out to see you here? We pray for this city, and unfortunately, last week, we hit an unfortunate mark and hit 300 murders. One murder is too many and can leave us feeling, Lord, do you hear our cries, our prayers for our city? 300 images of God who are no longer here with us. Thousands of people whose lives are no longer the same because of those losses. And yet, every week, Bob, Corey, Scott, other men around the city show up every week to walk with We Are Us, looking for alternative solutions, showing up faithfully. Prayers for healing, prayers for restored relationships, for marriage, for children, for jobs, for salvation, for your neighborhood, for your family, for your friends. Every single one of you here has 
a prayer that you are crying out to God for, wondering if God hears you. And he does. He hears you. Wait faithfully. We can also wait expectantly because we know and trust we are not just called to wait faithfully, but also to wait expectantly. Advent, as we said, is the season of expectation and preparation. The preparation comes when we wait faithfully, and the expectation comes when we wait expectantly with anticipation for what God is going to do. Sometimes when I hear the word expectation, I am someone who is known for expecting the worst case. And I often think the worst. It makes me very prepared. But it is not the best way to look at God. And so what I need to do, and what I think all of us probably at times need to do, is not to expect the worst, but to anticipate the amazingness that God is going to do. Sometimes, though, with that idea of anticipation, I can mistake it for that anticipation of Christmas as a child. And I was privileged growing up and knew that pretty much on my Christmas list, anything that was going to be on there was going to be under the tree and more there. And there's a lot of, um, there's some fun videos of seeing how excited I was on Christmas morning as a child. But some of you may remember back in the 80s, the It Christmas gift was the pound puppy. And I wanted a pound puppy. But my parents warned me that Santa was having a little bit of trouble finding the pound puppies in time for Christmas that year. And that sometimes Santa's gifts come a little bit later than Christmas, just because. That Christmas morning, though, I ran down, and I still kind of hoped and wanted the pound puppy, of course. But what was on the tree was they said, oh, but we have this really special gift for you. And what it was was this bowling set, and I was very into bowling at that time. And I loved it. And I do remember, I think a couple months later, eventually after the craze, I did get that pound puppy. I don't have a lot of memories of with that pound puppy, other than wanting it. But I do have a lot of memories of playing with that bowling set. And it stuck around for many years in our house and was one of the toys that we played with quite often growing up. Sometimes the answers to our prayer look nothing like what we actually asked for. In a slightly less childish example, I see that, though, living out every day, every week here at church. Some of you may know that I was part of the team that discerned and prayed for Grace City to come. And some of you may have heard me say that when I look around this church, I see so many answered prayers of God answering those prayers, yet this is nothing like we ever expected it to look. It looks completely different but is exactly what God intended and exactly what was needed. God had been silent to the Jewish people for 400 years. The couple of years that we spent praying for Grace City seemed so small. God had been silent to Zachariah and Elizabeth for decades. And And after that, they were told, your prayer has been heard. But he didn't just stop there. The message then goes on to say, your prayer has been heard. The child will be a joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. 
He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God broke his 400 years of silence with a powerful message that was an exact answer to his, most, his last message 400 years ago in Malachi. It says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Zechariah and Elizabeth never expected to have a child in their 80s probably, and they never expected that that child would fill a 400-year-old prophecy. As the worship team comes up, I want to reach back here to what Zechariah's response was to that message. This wasn't part of the reading, but Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not get to speak until the day that it happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. There is no mistaking the birth of John the Baptist as a miracle, and that one that exceed, must have exceeded the expectations of Zachariah and Elizabeth's prayers. But Zechariah had lost hope. He no longer believed, and he wasn't really expecting an answer. And I imagine some of you in the prayers that you may be praying, maybe feeling a bit like Zechariah, not really expecting God to answer. But we are called expectantly, expecting God to surprise us and to move in only a way that he could and I know that it can be tiring. And I know you may be weary. And it's easier to stop expecting sometimes. And I don't really blame Zachariah for his incredulity. But that's not the way we are called to live. That is not the God that we love and we worship. He is one that we can trust says in Hebrews, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God hears us. He loves us. He is alive and moving, and let us approach him with confidence that he will answer. It may not be in your timing. It may not be the way that you expect, but he will answer. I want to close with this. In this season of the Advent, I want us to each continue to come and pour out our hearts and bring these things to the Lord. These are things that we probably feel are missing and broken in our lives, in our families, in our city, in our country, and in our world. Mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice, knowing that God hears our prayers. So as we continue to cry out, hear me, O Lord, that we would also, though, prepare in expectation for the ways that he is going to answer those prayers, knowing that he is going to do more than we could ask or imagine and beyond anything that we could ever fathom. Just as we are preparing to celebrate a king coming in the form of a baby. 
nothing of what the Jewish people expected of their Savior. God was doing far more than those people could ever ask or imagine. May we also, though, stand in confident expectation that here in 2022, here in Baltimore, that God can do miraculous things in our lives, in our church, in our city. And so let us stand together and worship, and worship faithfully and expectantly, knowing that God hears us and he can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Let's worship together.